Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for another great interview all about talent development. And today we're going to be talking about assessing the needs of your organization and getting executive support. Because when I went and surveyed all of you in my network and asked about your biggest challenges a few months ago, the number one thing that came up over and over again was how to go out and get executive support. So I'm going to be publishing a couple interviews from the Talent Development Virtual Summit that was all about that. So continuing my series of publishing some great interviews that we had on the Talent Development Virtual Summit back in September. And today I'm sharing my interview with J.P. Elliott, who at the time of the interview was the vice president of learning at JCPenney. Uh, he has since moved and is now the vice president of development, engagement, and inclusion at McAfee, the cybersecurity software company. And JP has a great track record of getting that executive support, building the network within organizations and outside of organizations. So I wanted to catch up with him and have him on the summit and including share this interview on the podcast uh, with some of his insights and advice. So hopefully it's helpful for you. And remember, as I shared in the past, all of the recordings from the Talent Development Virtual Summit are in, are included in your membership in the Talent Development Think Tank community. They're all available in our member vault. So if you've been thinking about joining, come join us in the Talent Development Think Tank community. Not only do we have all the recordings from all the sessions in the virtual summit, we have recordings from past uh, calls that we've had, and we have a live call every Wednesday on Zoom inside the Talent Development Think Tank where we bring in guest speakers uh, like JP, like uh, Lorraine Stomsky, who was on last week, like other speakers we've had in the past, um, chief people officers, chief learning officers, uh, heads of learning, and uh, best-selling authors. We have all kinds of great guest speakers in there. And we also connect with each other, share with each other, ask questions, solve real problems, and help each other accelerate our careers in talent development. So if you're interested in joining, head on over to td. Uh, tdtt.us for more info, or just reach out to me directly, and I can get you signed up. And uh, without further ado, here is my interview with J.P. Elliott, who is now Vice President of Development, Engagement, and Inclusion at McAfee. Enjoy. 
Are you looking for inspiration and ideas to get executive buy-in and support for your talent programs? Then sit back and get your notepad ready. This session is all about how to take that first step in the talent process. Hi, I'm Andy Storch, host of the Talent Development Virtual Summit, and I'm thrilled to introduce you to today's excellent summit speaker. JP Elliott is Vice President of Talent Management, Acquisition, Inclusion, and Diversity at JCPenney. JP has held senior talent positions at companies like Lenovo, Brinks, and Dick Sporting Goods and has experience across the entire talent spectrum. He has a PhD in organizational psychology and a passion for developing people. And his interview on my podcast, The Talent Development Hot Seat, was one of the most downloaded and popular for quite some time. JP, welcome and thank you for being with us here today. Hey, thanks, Andy. Excited to be back and have this conversation today. Yeah, I am too. I mean, of course, you and I have kept in touch over the years. And one of the things that I've been really impressed with, with you, and obviously you've had an impressive career, you've, you've accomplished a lot of things. But I was telling you this the other day that uh, when you and I did work together, um, back when you were at Dick Sporting Goods, you, had to, you always seemed to have such a great knowledge of what exactly it was that the organization needed. Uh, and when it came time to make something happen, you were able to get the executives lined up and, and, get, and, and make things happen, right? And, and every organization's different. But I'm excited to use this time to kind of dive into what are some of the things that people should be thinking about when they're assessing, uh, you know, what our organizations need and how do we get buy-in for that and, the, you know, from the executives involved. So first of all, let's start with why is talent the first to get cut often in, okay. you know, tough times yeah. like these? Yeah, that's, you know, and I think if we're going a different direction there, but I like Let's start the tough questions, right? Yeah, I think, yeah. you know, and it's just unfortunate when you think about the way businesses operate. And so um, even though talent, we want it, we need it, we know it drives the business. When you start kind of looking at like, we have to make tough decisions and leaders make these tough calls, they're going to look at, you know, who's keeping the operation support? Like what is absolutely necessary to ensure the business is making money, it's profitable, it's delivering for its customers. And the reality is HR is a support function. And so the further we get away from that customer or that actual kind of profit and, uh, and loss, you know, P&L, the further we are, the more likely we are to be impacted. And so, you know, talent development, talent acquisition, a lot of times, and I think we saw this already with just some of the reactions with the coronavirus, is talent acquisition was cut pretty hard. Hmm. And there's a lot of great recruiters out there and there's a lot of talent development folks that were cut because organizations are being short-sighted. You know, I think they really are. Um, and so you got to make that commitment longer term, but in the short term, businesses are going to do what they got to do to keep the lights on. And sometimes that's not us. Right. Yeah, exactly. And depending on the industry, there's not much you can do, right? If you're in retail right now, things are tough. Um, if you're in, you know, a lot of tech companies are, are still doing fine uh, through the pandemic. And so that there's a lot that goes into that. Um, but what I want to talk about is how do we figure out what our organizations need? And then how do we go make that argument so that we can get things done, assuming there is money or there is a chance to get support for those long-term thinking. So let's, let's go back to assessing the talent landscape and, and what's your process look like? How do you assess the landscape and know what kind of things your organization needs and set that talent strategy? Yeah. I mean, the first thing is, and it's, it, you know, it's a little bit of a cliche, but it's like, you've got to know the business. You have to love the business. You have to understand what really are the business's goals? How are they going to achieve those goals? And the closer and the more targeted you can be to understanding that, the more likelihood you'll be able to develop a solution. That's a talent development, talent management, 
you know, a solution that's going to actually be an HR solution that's going to really hit the mark. And so it's, it's not so, everyone understands the business at a high level. We make money by selling these widgets and that's sort of what happens. Okay, that's great. Well, you have to dive in to figure out, well, how do we make the widgets? Is it the salespeople that are really selling the widgets or is it the actual industrial engineers that have been designing that? What's most relevant and what's most likely to have an impact and start figuring those levers out. So it's, it's almost looking at the value play of, here's what the business model is and here's how we make money and start working your way back all the way down that value chain of like, how do we create value for the organization? And as an HR person, a talent person, you kind of start to figure that out. I think too often we kind of wait for, we get the order, you know, we kind of wait for the business to come to us and say, Hey, I need training. I need this versus going in there and kind of saying, Hey, let me understand and be more of a consultant and really think through with you. Like what's the core issue and pushing back. And so I think that is the, the magic is trying to find out, what does the business really need to operate and be successful? And then how can you match that with what we have in our tool belt, tools that we have as talent folks. And how do you go about finding, you know, what the organization needs? Is it, is it surveys? Is it conversations with executives? Is it, you know, do you use partners? Do you do everything internally? I know it differs by organization, but what are some of the things you think about? I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go a bit more just guess spend time with the business leaders and um, really kind of understand what's inside their head, what they are, what they are looking for, what's kind of keeping them up at night, you know, but really more even depth of saying, like, so if for our business at JCPenney, you know, can you go out with our regional vice presidents or district managers, go into the stores, same thing, Dick's Sporting Goods. Um, but really, can you go in and understand how they're seeing the business? Or for us and our merchants, who are the ones that buy all the products, you know, what's really uh, keeping them up at night? You know, what are the things they're looking for? And is it a talent development play? Is it a knowledge play? is it some sort of process thing that's actually happening that we need to focus on as well. And mostly from those interviews and discussions, and you could be, you can make it an interview and do an Addy or however, what kind of model you want, a gap analysis. It doesn't matter what tool you use, just get out there and say, okay, well, here's what current state is and here's the future state. What's the gap in between, right? And I think you've got to keep it simple for leaders and they'll start to tell you what they want. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. And another question I was going to ask you is, how do you get familiar with the business strategy and what is going to move the needle for the business? Sounds like one of those factors is going and having conversations with those business leaders. Is there anything else that you would recommend for that? I think that's really important. I also think kind of going deeper down below. So, I mean, a lot of times we might talk with the, the senior leaders, but really kind of going deeper into the folks that do the work every day, you're going to find out what the truth is and what the real gaps are. Because a lot of times, I mean, we all know this, but the higher up you go in the organization, the less truth you hear. Mm. Uh, do they want to share bad news or don't want to tell you what's really going on? Uh, and so you might find out that we think it's a train solution, but actually it's a systems issue that we, you know, I could train all day long on a bad system, but we won't get an improvement, uh, you know, until you fix that. And if you go talk to some of the people who are further down, who are doing the work, they may tell you that actually not training at all. It's just, we've got a broken system, but no one wants to tell the boss. Right. So I think it's kind of a combination of going up and down that system to get deeper is, is really important. Yeah, there's always that classic challenge of the, the executives at the top create this great strategy and a PowerPoint, but then you roll down into the organization and find out what's happening on the front lines, and it could be completely different um, from what they're talking right. about on the top, which is why that alignment it becomes so important. Yeah, exactly. And I think the other thing I like to do, I mean, kind of pressure test. Like, and what I mean by that is, as you're going out and having these you know, trips with folks or having conversations, you might say, well, have you tried this in the past? You know, have you, have you done a training program like this in the past? Have you done, um, you know, we looked at the jobs or the processes that are using. 
to try to understand like kind of what's been done and, and their appetite for certain things, because at the end of the day, the business has to adopt it. And that's the key piece is that the business says, I want this. Thank you for bringing it to me. Now I'm going to go make it happen. If it's our idea and our idea only, it's never going to get done. You could just you know, forget about it at that point. Right. Yeah. Then you're just asking for funding for something you want versus something that was their idea uh, that, you know, they're going to get a lot more excited about. So the interesting question though, is, you know, you talk about going out and having these conversations with business leaders, finding out what the business really needs. How do you think this has shifted under COVID? Because things have changed, right? You don't just get to run into people in the hallway. Um, how has this changed and how do you approach going out and assessing this in a virtual world? Yeah, I think everything's gotten a little more challenging with coronavirus, right? I think for all of us, um, you have to be a lot more planful and uh, you've got to really understand it and build relationships much more on a pragmatic, uh, focused way. You know, so do have a plan over the next month to stay close to the business. And I think a lot of leaders do. I mean, if you've been with the company for a while, you probably have those networks. You almost take them for granted. You know, if you're newer, you have to be a lot more focused around trying to understand what the key thing is to go focus on that value, right? And of course, we're talking about this and that you probably have, a, people were hearing this, they have a thousand other duties they've got to get done besides go make this world, you know, world-class project that's going to transform the business, right? So you always have to balance the day-to-day with these bigger projects. But it's really just saying, who do I want to talk to and be more planful and getting on the calendar um, and going in with, hey, can I get some advice? Uh, I'd love to hear your perspective on this. And then really just listening is the key factor. Yeah. And, and you've got to be more intentional, right? Reaching out, scheduling those virtual coffee, Zoom calls, phone calls, whatever it may be to get those set up. Uh, in, in sticking with assessing the landscape and figuring out what type of talent management strategy we need or talent uh, development programs we might want to put in place, training programs, what are some mistakes that people make or that you've made um, that you can share learnings from? <laughs> well, I've made lots of mistakes in my life for sure. I think but every, every mistake I've made when trying to develop something that I know will help the business, but maybe isn't totally bought in by the business leader, it comes down to really two things. And the first thing that I learned and my mentors taught me a long time ago was this, it's that people make decisions for their reasons, not yours. Yeah, so think about that again. People make decisions for their reasons, not yours. And so when you start putting that filter on of every decision that an executive makes, they've got a rationale and some reason why they're doing it. It has nothing to do with what you want to do. A lot of times, especially in training, learning, talent management type rules, we're excited by a new technology, a new way to train, new content, whatever it is. It may not be what that executive is looking for, right? So that's the first one. And the second one it's probably just as important, but leaders tolerate the opinions of others and ideas around them, but they act on the decisions that come to themselves. So they're going to tolerate your perspective. They're going to, they're going to say, I like your PowerPoint, I like your idea, but frankly, if they don't come to it on their own, that that's the right thing to do, you're basically pushing rope uphill, you know, and nothing's going to really happen. And so when I think about the mistakes I've made, it's I've gotten a little bit too excited and I haven't always brought the leader along and making sure that they really are looking for, you know, what they really want and how they see that, that coming out of the business. And the only way to do that, you may need to like kind of lead the horse to water a little bit. So it's like, you have to figure out, is that leader someone who's very numbers focused or are they more emotional and story based, right? And what's going to kind of resonate for them. And you may need to say like, and get some credibility. Sometimes they're not going to give you a big project until they feel like they know you. 
And so you have to kind of come to them and say, hey, what are your biggest needs that I can go to look on? And maybe that is more training or more communication. And you think it's not the right solution. You're fixing a symptom. Well, maybe you execute that to get the credibility to come back in later and say, hey, I've got another idea. Can I run it by you? So it's a combination. You can't take one pass at it and expect it to work. Uh, but those are the two things I've always, when I made mistakes, it's I've probably taken for granted the buy-in that I have with an executive and, and they thought maybe, I thought they bought in, but they didn't, right? Uh, and yeah. so that was a challenge. And, and you and I also discussed the other day, um, I was saying that, you know, hosting the Talent Development Hot Seat podcast, I've done, I don't know, over 150 interviews and I often ask people about their biggest failure or mistake. And the most common one I hear um, from senior people in talent is the times when a leader came to me with a request for training on X and I just acted on it without really probing or asking more questions to find out well, what was really going on. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that happens a lot. And you, and I think it's not easy to go back and say, you know, hey, can we do some more research? Like, how do you know this is the problem? Because it's, it can be intimidating, especially that leader. Like, I know it's a problem. Why are you asking me? You know, I just need more training. So, you know, sometimes you have to kind of lay it out. Well, okay, let's, let's envision if I do that training, what's the ideal outcome and what's that look like? And here's what it might cost. And is this really going to be what you really want? Because here's what I think my professional opinion would be at the end of this, you know, doing more training. Here's what I think you get. Another solution might be doing something else, like redesigning the job or, you know, whatever it happens to be might be a different way to think about it. So you have to, kind of walk them through what the future state can look like. At the same time, you've got to probably give them a, an alternative point of view so they can back out. Um, otherwise, you will probably walk down that path where we've all delivered training yep. and everyone feels good, but we're just checking a box. Yeah. And, um, you know, no one likes to do that, frankly. It's so funny. Just as we're recording this today, this happened for me, the reverse, um, in organizing this virtual summit that we're speaking on. Um, I went to my assistant, Stephanie, who's coordinating everything on the back end for the summit and said, oh, I think we should do this and present the new idea. And she actually had the, 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 the wherewithal. She was smart enough to push back and say, well, have you considered the cost of doing that extra thing and what the return might actually be? And I was like, oh, no, I hadn't. Maybe we shouldn't do that. And, right. so I, and we didn't do it. Um, and I'm really grateful that she has the you know, willingness and ability to push back on me um, because it's going to make this whole thing better. But when someone doesn't have that, you know, courage or whatever it may be, then you just go and act on it. Well, it's a great example because I think, you know, good HR people, good talent people are thought partners. And the idea is that almost sometimes you have to be clear about your role to the leader and say, well, I can go deliver that training for you. Part of my job is to help you think this through and be a thought partner. And I've got some questions I want to ask before we do it. Hmm. And I think most people are open to that and say, I just want to make sure we've got this right. And if we thought about this and this and this to your point, and I think most leaders are open to that. I mean, you still may get a leader that says, I don't care. I want this training done, but you know, that's our role to be a thought partner. And it's not just to be an order taker uh, and just deliver the training without actually putting that thought in. Yeah. Especially if you're an HR business partner, the word partner is right in there, right? It's not uh, HR, do whatever you say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you've assessed the, the landscape and you have this idea of what really needs to be done. What's going to move the needle for the business. Um, mm -hmm. Once you do that, how do you go about getting the support you need for the initiatives that you're, you wanting to do? Yeah, I think this is exactly where um, good intentions start to fail from a lot of our folks in talent development. And we get really excited about the big idea, the details, you know, what's gonna happen behind there. And the reality, most executives, you know, the way you think about this, and 
um, you think about an iceberg, right? We see the iceberg and above the water is just the tip and below it is all the thinking, okay? You should never tell an executive more than the tip of the iceberg. They don't need to know that there's this massive amount of work and thought and psychological theory that makes something work. They don't really care. Your job is to make the complex simple. And so you have to really kind of say that details don't matter as much as we all think. You need to hide some of those details, but really say at the end of the day, if you're going to communicate this entire project or idea in one sentence or less, right, one sentence or two, what would that be? Can you, you do that elevator pitch on your idea? And if you get that, like, what's the headline? Or if you want to think about it from a newspaper kind of thing, you know, what's the headline for this, right? Accelerate leaders faster and cheaper <laughs> through experiences. Okay, great. That's your headline. Then the entire presentation needs to be built around that. And you just sell it. And most executives, they, they assume they know there's work and there's details that are there. So they'll ask about it if they care, but most of them, they kind of care what they care about, right? So as you kind of leave that canvas a little more blank, let them go where they want to go. We put so much detailized presentations that it almost overwhelms the leader and it takes out the autonomy they may want to have as you're going through it. So that's the first piece. And then as you build the presentation, you know, you really have to start to think bigger and then go, you know, kind of broad and go more narrow. And I think a lot of times they people do the opposite, right? And I think that's kind of how you start to then have that conversation. Mm, that I'm really great. And then how do you go about making the business case? You have the headline and then they say, you know, Hey, I want to know what that's going to do for the top line, the bottom line, whatever to move the needle. Absolutely. I mean, it's all, it's all going to come back to that business case, the ROI. So the first piece that we want to say is how do you set the stage? What's the problem you're solving? Is that really clear? So this requires us to be clear on the actual challenge. And that's why up that whole upfront piece of understanding what they're looking for, what you're looking for, you've done your homework. So really be clear to say, this is the problem. And it could be a problem statement. It could be some data. You know, it depends on your organization challenge. But if that's not clear, you've already lost the battle because I'm not going to go fix something that I don't believe is a problem, right? The second is then talk about if you maintain status quo, what happens? What happens if we don't change? So I've got a problem, but if we keep it the way it is, you're not going to get these results. And then the third, show how your solution, your training development or town management solution starts to solve that problem. And here's what that could look like. And so you're painting a really clear picture, right? And then for the budget and ask for the money, of course, you know, after they're really excited about it. But, but that's kind of, you kind of keep it simple, really three parts. And I think if you do that um, and have that upfront piece, you know, you're, you're more than halfway there. That's, that's powerful. And I'm taking notes as an external consultant. You got to do the same thing, right? What is define what the problem is? Um, what's the risk of maintaining the status quo? And then what is your solution going to do? How do you, how do you help people? Uh, so then if you, let's say you, you're successful in getting that buy-in, where do you go from there? Because obviously you, you've got to probably persuade more people to make something happen. Yeah. I mean, then you've got to, I think that's where it comes back to a lot of times we, we, we have to be, have the guess the guide rails of what we're trying to solve for. We've got we have a solution in our mind, but we have to let people kind of then paint, you know, paint in the, the details and build bring people along that coalition. So it's really about, hey, I think this is where we can go with this. But now I need you, um, maybe business leader, direct report to a senior leader, HR partners, come in. How else can we make this work? How do you see this happening? You know, so that way they get some ownership to it. If all of it's just so put together it's all training development led, 
it looks like it's us doing the work and we're getting all the, you know, the accolades for it, you're going to fail. So it's really about kind of bringing that buy-in throughout the rest of the process. And, and it may change. Like it, the horror, you know, the project may have started uh, and you thought it was going to be blue. And by the time you're done, it's green. But if it's really still getting the same business results, why would you argue about it, right? You got what you wanted done. It really goes back to what you said earlier about people acting on um, their own reasons for decisions, right? So if you don't have them, their buy-in, them thinking either it's their idea or that they were helpful in creating it, then you're not really, they're not going to be as excited about it. Right. And there are multiple ways and multiple people to solve. Sometimes a leader will get a piece of that where they're, they want um, higher performance out of somebody. And they're like, I'm expecting higher performance. But also maybe we want retention. And so you can get both objectives solved. But if it's not clear that executives getting what they want, you know, then she's probably not going to be very happy about it. Right. And, and you may not get that, that sale. JP, there's an important part of this where you talked about, you know, having these conversations with the business leaders and knowing what, you know, so you can understand the problem and the business and the strategy and what's going on. And then you're getting these meetings to make that case. And I think a lot of that depends on you having those relationships with those people. And I know you've always been really good at that throughout your career. What advice would you give? How do you go out and build that network and those relationships with executives so that you can have those conversations? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, this is never perfect and easy because um, they're, everyone's really busy, right? And so, you know, HR partners are definitely your lifeline in. I think a lot of times they already have that relationship's important. But let's just say you're a director and you're like, oh, I can't get a meeting with an SVP, but I really think here's the solution, right? Whoever your boss is, I think, needs to pull you in or you need to pull your boss in and say, I need to build that relationship. But I have found, and I think you found this, I mean, obviously you've done so many um, podcasts and, and, and great interviews that just reaching out to people say, I want to get to know you or learn from you. Do you have 30 minutes? I want to understand more about the business. Have an idea I want to run by you, you know, do you mind? I mean, most people appreciate that kind of um, yeah. ambition and, and, you know, a bit of gusto and, you know, trying to go in and put your idea out there. And then listen, that's the key piece. Um, so it's probably more in your own mind if you're not going out and doing it than it is actually in real life. Most people are pretty, pretty excited you reached out, right? And you want to solve a problem I didn't know I have. Yeah, you know? right. A lot of people hold themselves back already just thinking, oh, he wouldn't want to talk to me or she's not going to have time for me without even asking and just saying, hey, JP, you know, I'd love to meet with you, understand what you're working on, and I have an idea to share that it might be useful for you. That's a, that's a perfect intro. Hey, can I grab, buy you coffee? Now in the virtual world, can I buy you virtual coffee? coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. But in some ways, hey, can I just we'll do a quick video conference call, right? It doesn't matter where you are, so it's helpful. Uh, but it's yeah. important to build a relationship. I think it's coming with good intentions, and I think people are excited to talk to people who have those intentions. Yeah, you've got to have those conversations. And that um, leads me to the last question I wanted to ask you about, which is building your network in general and future-proofing yourself. You and I were talking about this the other day. I know you and I are both really big on this, building the network and the personal brand. Uh, it can be useful if you're building a business and especially if you're building a career as well. And I've seen how you've moved around and you've always had opportunities in a network and people that are willing to help you because you've done that. So Talk to me a little bit about future-proofing yourself and, and why you go out about building that network. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, I mean, I've been very fortunate in my career. And, and you know, um, one of my favorite books is The Five Patterns of Extraordinary Careers. It's, it's been a long time now. That's, um, 
it's come out in the book, but it's a great book. And one of the things it talks about is that, you know, someone has to take a chance on you in your career. And so someone, when you get promoted, when you get a new role, someone's taking a chance on you. And, you know, but how do you do that is, is really kind of basically delivering, right? And, and owning your, your commitment, whatever that might be. So the future proving part, I guess, and I know, I mean, honestly, with coronavirus, there's so many good people who, who lost their jobs and to no fault of their own. They're great, great people that really don't deserve to be unemployed for a minute. Um, and I think, you know, the future proofing cart comes in though is starting to build the network early and know what you want to be known for, know your areas. And it doesn't mean you need to try to, um, get a podcast, write articles, et cetera, but it could be that in my local, you know, HR community or my, you know, talent development community, I'm going to get more connected to everyone who works in that area and I will be generous. And I think that's where people really want when you're giving and you're helping and you might reach out and just say, Hey, this is a great article. You might enjoy it. How have you been? We haven't talked for a while. Um, but really kind of that reaching out and giving things back, I think is where people start to know you and think about you when opportunities come up. Um, you know, it's that and just knowing who you want to be and, and where you're, you want your credibility to have uh, and put your shingle up, I guess, is really what you want to try to think about. Yeah. Knowing who, you know, who do you want to know, uh, building that network early, uh, know what you ought to be known for, like you said there. And just to put one more spin on it, I know you and I both love going to conferences and speaking and networking with people, right? And we're not doing that for a while. In a virtual world, though, it's still very possible to go out. You know, what tips do you have about building and, and maintaining, nurturing your network in this virtual world? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it does come back and, you know, I've been giving a little thoughts because I'm probably uh, starting a new role and then moving and the coronavirus, I'm a little bit behind. So I've got to get back into my own networking, just with making some of the connections I have. But I think it's just, it goes back into reaching out again. And I think, you know, reaching out, I remember this one, um, to my point, your case in point, just asking. This one gentleman who uh, works at Dell, he's like maybe, I think, a year or two into his career, just reached out to me and said, hey, I love your background. Uh, I love Dick's Sporting Goods. but..." Love your background. Would you mind having a 30-minute conversation with me? I want to know about how you got to be where you are. I mean, I don't know this person. Yeah. Um, you know, great, great young gentleman. We had a great conversation. And it, that was it. He was just like, I want to learn as much as I can. But you know what? I mean, if you reached out again and said, hey, do you remember me? I need something. I probably would return the favor. I'd think about him. So it's just being more, um, and he had picked us or me and Dick Sporting because I don't know exactly how he did that. But I think being clearing your target, who do you want to reach out to, but also how can you add value to them? And that's where I think if you're thinking about that local talent development or talent management community, do you know that group? Do you know those folks? And are you adding value? Um, that's probably the key factor, I would just say. It's more yeah. about how they value and can you build that relationship longer term? And you also told me the other day, talking about just keeping in touch with old colleagues and friends, people you've met at conferences. I mean, you met those people. If you just keep in touch, you never know where they're going to end up and what they might be able to do to help you. And of course, what you can do to help them. Yeah. And I think it's, um, you know, it's got to be genuine, you know? So I think, you know, you always people think about your career. It's like, it's easy to text message people and just say, how are you? How you been? And, you know, um, but hopefully when they text back, maybe you should actually text them back as well. You know, I, I think we sometimes get a little lazy on the ghost. It's not that you ghost people, but maybe if it weren't two conversations, like try to leave it off in a good spot where yeah. like if you back out again, does it feel awkward? Right. You know, but, um, you know, I think a lot of us work with people for a long time and we give like eight hours a day with folks and then we just don't see them when you change jobs. And so there's no reason to try to keep some of those connections and um, be in their life a little bit. Yeah. It's so weird because you, I text you all the time and you never return any of my texts. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, <laughs> and bring that up. 
I'm kidding. You and I text all the time. You always, you always check in and uh, we keep in touch and that's, uh, you know, it's great. Awesome. If anybody needs well, I'm excited to do it. I mean, you're, you're, you're like, you're an inspiration. You're doing amazing things and I'm, I'm proud of what you're doing. I'm excited to be part of the talent development uh, summit. So. I appreciate that. Uh, well, JP, this has been great. Um, you know, we've covered a lot of ground here um, talking about, you know, what happens with talent development when things get cut, how to assess the talent strategy and what an organization needs, how to learn what the business needs, uh, how this has shifted under COVID and how you handle things in virtual time, common mistakes that you've made that a lot of people make in talent development. Um, a couple of quotes you shared that I wrote down, people make decisions for their reasons, not yours, which I love, and leaders tolerate opinions of others, but act on their own. Powerful. Um, we talked about how to get uh, support when uh, you know what you want to do, making that business case. Uh, and uh, we talked about building that network, the relationships to get things done internally, and of course, building the network to set yourself up for success in the, the future of your career, no matter where that goes. Uh, anything else you want to add to this before we sign off? It covered a lot of ground, so hopefully that helps. And uh, yeah, people can feel free to reach out to me if I can help out as well. I'd love to do that. Awesome. Well, I know you're, uh, you're active on LinkedIn, so make sure you connect with JP. Uh, and JP, thank you so much for making time to share all this, these valuable lessons with us today. And for all of you watching at home, thank you so much for tuning in, for making this part of your day and your week. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you get your all access pass so you can get lifetime access to all of these sessions as well as join some of our live interactive sessions as well. I'm your host, Andy Storch, and I will see you on the next session. Cheers. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again and take care.